beep 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 Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. Hi, Adam. Hey. You having a good one? I am. And, you know, do-do-do-do-do. This is... Hey, 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 hey. No, no, I wasn't going to tell you. I'm going to record a special intro where I overdub that a lot. The whole thing's an X-Man update. Yeah, this is. This is the listeners already know. This is X-Man update. Uh, the episode. Wow, it just the sort of whole... became this. Okay, so listeners of the show have lived through our revelations on Nate Gray, the X-Man, haven't they? That's true. If As you're a these long... things were coming out, you know. If you're a longtime listener, you can go back and listen to the episode where I unleashed Nate Gray on the world. Uh, <laughs> I believe friend of the show, Thomas Cummins, sent me a, uh, I, I believe and also know, a three-part bound omnibus collection of every issue of X-Man. Yes. I think that's on our episode with Shauna McGuire if you want to hear that bad revelation. The cursed tomes of X-Man. <laughs> so I opened it, right? Yep. And then, um, and then, if you if you flash forward to our next episode with Charlie Davis, I don't remember when it was. Just look uh, at that time. We found out that X Man was back, and he was Jesus now. <laughs> that Adam's was. reaction to that is live on that episode. And if you're enjoying X Man content or the deep lore of this podcast, you will want to check that one out. I mean that was a that was a true moment of just wow. And then we found out that that was going to lead into the age of X-Men and all of our minds were just blown cuz like what happened? Yeah. It was all it was all due to those uh the those cursed tomes being delivered to your home Zach. Definitely wasn't th- just them filling time until Jonathan Hickman could get on the books. Totally wasn't that. It, it wasn't, you know, Zach Thompson's uh, obsession with X-Men. Which... Hey, Lonnie, Lonnie Nadler is obsessed with <laughs> and X-Men, Lonnie. too. It's Sorry. fine. It's both of them. They are yes. they are separate individuals, but they do come as a unit in some cases. Yes. By so the way, to... if you guys haven't checked out what Zach, Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler are doing outside of x-men nowadays uh no one's rose is super good undone by blood uh the shadow of a wanted man is very good black stars above is very good hey coming out uh i think next week when this comes up lonely receipt no uh, this week lonely receiver number I'm one very excited for that that looks awesome it's good uh weird and good yes. and yes. creepy <laughs> that's what they're good at yeah, uh, they're doing great stuff. Uh, go mm-hmm. check that out. Uh, but we're not talking about them today. They they nope. didn't write any of these stories. They were just inspired by the X-Man. Yes. Uh, so we are talking about that big reveal, though. Because um, yeah. what's our first story today, Zach? Our first story is Uncanny X-Men Volume 5, 1 through 10, 
disassembled. Uh, this was requested to us from Patreon supporter Joshua Wheel. If you want to be like Joshua, you can go on over to patreon.com slash and you can throw money our way. Or don't. There's a pandemic still, guys. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, use your money wisely. Uh, buy canned goods for your uh, for your household in your survival bunker as we go through just some weird stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, this is some weird stuff. I mean, I I distinctly remember when, you know, we were ending the age of, you know, gold and blue and black and uh, red. And we were like, hey, we're going to throw out this title that's been used on an Avengers book. And we didn't know what to expect. Yeah, this is interesting. So, you know, we, we've already alluded to the fact that this was written in part to fill in time before Hickman could kick off uh, House of X and Powers of Ten. In fact, you know, I believe Jordan said it on the show and uh, Matthew Rosenberg said it on the show as well uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, that came first and then they looked at the schedule and said, well, we got some months to fill. How do we do that? So right. what they decided to do was try and do a big X-Men story. Uh, it was ten parts weekly. Uh, so, guys... Nothing's new under the sun. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you. We've been doing big X Men weekly stories for a for a, a spell long now. time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, written by Ed Brisson, Matthew Rosenberg, and Kelly Thompson, all of whom had been pretty big players in the X Men line uh, up until this point. Brisson was on Old Man Logan. Right. Uh, Thompson was on uh, Rogan Gambit Mr. or Mister yep. Mrs X. Mister Mrs X. Rogan Gambit. Uh, Rosenberg uh, was on Astonishing. Uh, that we mm-hmm. talked about a couple weeks ago and had done other stuff. So this was a great team. And the art team on this, uh, Mahmoud Asar uh, was doing the first issue uh, with the other nine being rotated between uh, artists Arby Silva, uh, Yildre Sinar, and mm-hmm. uh, Perry Perez, who yes. I like. I like all of those. Uh, Silva's... Silva's obviously incredible. Asar's incredible. I think Perry Perez is underrated. Like, those three guys are in the top 100. Uh, is Arby, Arby's not in the top 100. Spoilers, he will be when we talk about Hoxpox. Uh. You know, it, it might be worth talking about the fact that um, this is, like, before Arby, like, really hits his... I mean, once he hits Hoxpox, it's, like, a totally different person well when you look back at what he was doing in um in x-men gold and then in this you're like this is a talented person who is kind of like stuart imminent light and then when you get to hoxbox you're like what Mm -hmm. am i looking at this is like one of the most spectacular art runs i've ever seen in my life um so when we do get to the issues with um perry perez for instance talented artist by by all means but even at Arby silva's level here i don't think it it is the same so there's there's think, a little bit of inconsistency from issue to issue i think i think silva and uh asar who hey guys do you, do you know who's uh drawing ten of swords uh Arby silva and mahmoud asar are drawing parts of ten of swords yeah. uh and that's nothing against perry perez he's doing great work on spider woman uh and i I've loved his stuff on uh, uh, Rogan Gambit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought that was one of the highlights of that book. So yeah. 
they're all artists that I really enjoy, but you know, I agree Silva and uh, Silva and Asar kind of stand out to me on this. What I would say, since we're oddly just focused on art right now, which is great because we don't do this a lot. What I noticed in this is I think coloring wasn't the strongest suit on this book. Uh, Rochelle Rosenberg does it. And I think the colors aren't big and vibrant enough for the stuff that works well with, you know, like silver on Powers of Ten where Marte Gracia is coloring him. Or even Asar, uh, some of the stuff, and I'm 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 not sure who the colorist on it, but like his Conan work that came mm-hmm. right after this. To me, those colors worked a lot better than Rosenberg's do here, and I think that holds it back a bit. It Rosenberg gives things a very house feel on a lot of her work, and I think that can work for some books. Like she did colors for uh, All New Wolverine, and I thought it was I thought she was great there, mm-hmm. uh, but. I don't think it works as well here. I'm curious your thoughts on that, since you're the art art boy out of us. I'd be more curious, just in general, with with all the art. And I, this is always something to take into consideration: is what was the schedule, you know? Because yeah. given enough time and enough like breathing room, you can get something as detailed and as crazy beautiful as Hoxbox. Um, I have the distinct suspicion that this was produced much faster over a much shorter period of time. Um, given the number of people that are contributing to this. So um, I don't think uh, you're wrong. (laughs) Slack cut for everybody. Um, I do think this is a pretty interesting way to lead into the age of X-Man. Should we break down what happens in these 10 issues? Yeah, because I think it's, I actually think it's very easy to break down what happens in these 10 issues because they aren't that hard. They aren't dense, which is no, a bit of, a bit of an issue with this story as a whole to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a, there is a not Senator Kelly who is talking about the not mutant cure uh, and the X-Men try and figure that out. He disappears. It turns out that not apocalypse, uh, but Nate Gray X-Man is behind all this and he wants to remake the world in a better place because he's dying, which never really comes back up and doesn't have much of a payoff. Uh, But he wants to do something good with the world. Uh, So he's formed a council of Kitty Pride, the senator guy whose name I'm not even going to justify looking up. Senator Allen? Sure. Al. Senator Al. Let's do that. (laughs) Uh, That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's Ashton Allen. I only mm-hmm. looked it up because I just had to scroll down a little bit on the notes. Uh, and by notes, I mean the Marvel Wikia that I have open. <laughs> uh, in Apocalypse, they get... Apocalypse, who just comes back. Apocalypse is here now, guys. Uh, He's just chilling. He, he got, let's not he worry about him. it. It's fine. Uh, they become his council, and the only thing the council really does is blows up all religious monuments in the world, which is a bad choice on their part. Uh and then a bunch of the ex-kids are like, I don't like this. Uh, after Legion comes to their house, and then the X-Mansion blows up again, and the X-Jet crashes again, and they get sent to the Age of Apocalypse again, and then everyone fights a big fight and disappears. Yes. I mean, there's a, there's another aspect of this that involves Legion's attempts to stop Nate Gray, um, which involve... Uh, kidnapping Jimmy Madrox, turning him into his own personal, like manufacturing plant of personalities with powers so that Mm -hmm. they can stop 
the three people from becoming the the little panel that x-man has like legion's plan doesn't really make a lot of sense but it makes it adds a little bit of complexity to the story Um, so there was a revelation i got uh when i talked to matthew rosenberg about this story specifically in his uh, astonishing x-men run uh, back last December, we're just plugging a lot of old episodes on this one, but guys, okay. check it out. We've we talked catalog, through all of this with all of these creators, so our back catalog's pretty strong. Yes, uh, maybe maybe start at like episode twenty, <laughs> maybe maybe around there. Uh, still a lot of episodes. <laughs> it's still a lot of episodes. I just don't like the sound quality on the earlier ones. Uh, that's not the point. Uh, the point is, you know, he he was saying that you know part of this was. His pitch, his second arc of Astonishing X-Men, uh, if he were to get to do it, was going to be titled Grandchildren of the Atom uh, and involve X-Men and uh, Legion kind of playing off each other and being dual antagonists mm. uh, with Havoc's team caught in the middle. Which I think, like, I think all of these are good ideas in general. Mm-hmm. I don't know how strong the execution on any of these are. This whole story has a very big been there, done that feel in so much that when when X-Men or Uncanny X-Men 11 started with every X-Men story is the same. uh, I said, "Okay, that hits a little harder after the last (laughs) 10 weeks, Matthew Rosenberg. And I think you know why. Um, I mean, it I again with the speed that this comes out it is happening extremely quickly so you know there's a lot of things that you know in another timeline of publishing may have been like lingering mysteries like Mm -hmm. legion is putting a vision into gene gray's head of the madri searching for uh kitty pride and and that's how the whole um 10 issues start the first issue is like double sized with like an extra added couple vignettes at the end where bishop uh finds sugar man um who's then that killed like there there's all of these little things that that seem to be like the kind of storytelling that you would use for long form x-men right like this is stuff that's going to come back 12 issues from now and unfortunately, like because of the speed that this story has to take place, it only has 10 issues to do what it does. Um, and, and they're going to be weekly. It, it, it unfortunately does kind of just revolve around, hey, we didn't mention this yet, but X-Man has his four horsemen, which are Magneto, Blob, Omega Red and Angel. And the the horsemen of, of salvation. <laughs> right. And a lot of it is just either the X-Men chasing after something that X-Men did to ch- change the world or them fighting the horsemen. Um, so and then the, the resolution of it really comes down to to either this bit with um, Armor's team in the AOA or Gene just kind of like trying to talk x-men out of doing whatever it is he thinks he's doing in his head um so like what should be kind of like a blockbuster finale because there is this whole thing where gene contacts every x-men in the in the world and they are all going to be uh teleported to this one spot and they're all going to fight x-men it doesn't really happen so um, it's, it's weird because like this book has a lot of stuff that we should like 
it opens with scenes of Bishop and Jubilee doing Bishop and Jubilee things. Thank you. Thank there's, you. <laughs> there's I hold on. Hold on. Page. I can't help but think that in in my warped universe at least that that's at least a slight nod to Adam, I'm sure it is. I'm I sure would it like is. to think that because they do appear several times, especially in the first issue, and they care about each other if they get hurt. And I'm like, well, this is a relationship which I don't think I've seen before. Too uh, much. You know what I mean? Uh, it has been, obviously, in, in the past, but it's, Adam, it's cool Adam, that I it's think you're, I think you are more influential in people thinking that Bishop and Jubilee are good friends and should be in things together. <laughs> yes. Uh, than, I would like than, that to uh, be would... the consequence of my actions. But, like, there's a, there's a page where Maggot shows up and he's, like, on that big splash page, he's right next to Richter, who had yeah. not been in the story the entire Tempest time. Tempest is there. All, um, the, all the ones we like are in one weird corner. Yes. Like, they're friends. Gold That's Balls is there. That's a weird thing. <laughs> ah, Gold Balls is there. Yeah. We, little did we know how important that would be, but... <laughs> but they don't get to do anything. Um, no, so, they, as exciting as it is, you know, to have uh, these 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 fun nods to the, to the fans, um, the, the resolution of this is not all that because it's it's a cliffhanger you know at the end um nate gray just decides hey you know i can't save this world i'm gonna create my own and we get into what i think is a much more interesting set of stories in age of x-man absolutely and i even think though it's incredibly flawed and has a lot of issues both with content and in structure the rosenberg uncanny run that comes after this is more interesting in that it it has a clear purpose same with age of x-man it has a clear purpose a clear sense of this is what i'm trying to do this is what i'm trying to be Mm -hmm. where this feels been there done that this feels like a lot of unnecessary filler for these 10 issues which is odd because the main story also doesn't feel fleshed out enough like the, the attention is on, we got to make sure that we get the X-Men fighting dinosaurs here uh, <laughs> right. for an issue and a half. That doesn't need really to anything? happen. No. You could just have, hey, guys, the world's going crazy. Uh, I wonder what's going on. Oh, I guess it was Nate Gray, and we didn't have to go and fight his horsemen on an oil derrick for, you know, an issue. A couple pages. Yeah. Um, I think what does work is the ongoing uh, bitterness of Armor, um, Glob, uh, who else is in that crew? Rockslide and uh, Pixie. Yeah, they all get stuck in the AOA, but it it really is the culmination of that part of the story, which is that they feel kind of like disenfranchised by the quote-unquote adult X-Men. That, I think, works really well, and it's a great payoff in the AOA where, like, they finally realize that maybe what they have to do to solve this situation is just kill this guy and get stuck there. Like, that part of the story, I think, is really fantastic and works very well. I, I think that issue works as a culmination for their story Uh i also think that that issue is incredibly superfluous and should not exist in the larger story of disassembled only because it again feels like an excuse 
to jump us back to this time that, hey, you remember this other X-Men story you like? Mm-hmm. We're going to do that for an issue. And it's kind of related to the main plot, but not really. Like, they just they go to the Age of Apocalypse into a different version of the Age of Apocalypse for an issue and come back. That's it. It's just, yeah. if you're if you're cutting things to get your tightest story, and, like, when I'm editing stuff, I want to make sure that we are getting the tightest version of whatever... You know, whatever I'm editing. People listening to this podcast, don't judge me. I slack when it comes to this one. But, <laughs> uh, you know, like, there, there is there is a point to saying kill your darlings. Get rid of st- stuff. Cut it to the bone so that you get the best product out there. To me, that's very powerful. And that's something that doesn't happen in this story. Partly because they committed to doing 10 issues. Uh, they were pretty rushed. I mean, ever, this is a bit of... What Brisson was doing with some stuff. This is a bit of what uh, Rosenberg was planning on doing. I'm sure Thompson brought plenty of her own ideas into this. This is this is kind of this weird stew of remember the X Men you liked and remember all these things we were going to try and do anyway, and it doesn't pay off the way you want it to, and that's tough for me. Even when there are things that we like, like those moments, uh, like like I think the dialogue's snappy in this. Mm-hmm. I, I, these are these are three writers Gets who the can do good dialogue. Yeah, they're great. The plotting the plotting fails the dialogue, and it fails some of the stronger artwork in this story. And I think it ends up being it ends up being a flawed product, especially in retrospect. Of hey, this is what X Men are now, and the bar for like a good X Men story now, I feel like has been raised to the point where this doesn't feel acceptable here's here's what i'm gonna say for all the complaining we're doing about this story i still liked it i, yeah, still, I didn't hate it i still like, enjoyed it was, it was reading this read. story like coming out of of the era of blue and gold and red which you know i think for a lot of us still felt like treading water as well you know this still felt like okay we're trying some stuff and yes it's it's reminiscent of some older concepts but I'm still like, I want to see where this goes. So I I was was on board. I was hopeful with this stuff because I love the creative team. Mm -hmm. I thought it was, thought it was great from an art standpoint, from a, from a writing standpoint. I liked some of the concepts. It didn't come together for me the way I wanted it to. Uh, And I think that's a bit disappointing. I don't hate this book, but I also wouldn't recommend it to somebody. Okay. Like I don't, I don't think this is a, bad comic but i also don't think it's a good comic hmm i i don't know if i would go that far i still think that it has enough going on with it that it's it's still good um i just if especially if you're trying to get a picture of what was uh pre hox pox you know and you want to get to age of x-man and enjoy it i think you're gonna want to read this you know what i mean and you can just breeze through it like it's very light uh and i I find it enjoyable. So I think given that we're starting to perhaps disagree about this, let's see what, where it goes on our big list. Are you talking about our big master list of all the X-Men stories ever from all time? That's uh, the one. Where we have 405 discrete comic book stories. Crazy. Yeah, guys, we're close to the road to 500. Uh, <laughs> Slowly but surely. 
Oh, we are we are getting there. Uh, but no, uh, we're, we're ranking all the X-Men stories from best to worst. The number one story on our list is the Dark Phoenix Saga. The number 100 story on our list is X-Factor 27, Gifts, which is a story about Christmas. Uh, the 200th story is Gambit Volume 1. Uh, the 300th story is Iceman Volume 3, number 1 through 5, Thawing Out. Number 400 is Witchblade Wolverine. And four or five is the Draco. <laughs> uh, I picked right. a story that I want to get your feelings on. Because I think this is an incredibly good bellwether for this. Okay. 220 on our list is Astonishing X-Men 13 through 17 until our hearts stop. It's right before this. It's got one of the same writers. Adam, you're frozen. Am I? Can you? Can oh you my gosh, me? you're just very still. I'm you're like just dr- very, you're like a statue. <laughs> I was doing my Drax impression. <laughs> yeah, couldn't even see you. Uh, so 220, we talked about it very recently. Astonishing X-Men until our hearts stop. Do you think this is better or worse than that? I I think it's better. I I don't know. Like I I'm looking much higher on the list than you. Like I'm all the way up at like X Men Gold Negative Zone War, which is at 175. Hey, bud, maybe we have Negative Zone War a little too high. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Like at 177. <laughs> Because, like, 177 is Resurrection. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like that is, I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm in that realm. We've got the wedding issue, X-Men Gold 30 at 183. This is not as good as X-Men Gold 30. All right. I, so we're going to go lower than that. I can, I can say that very definitively. X-Men Gold 30 is the... This list doesn't say that, which is weird. X-Men Gold 30 is probably the best issue of that run, right? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Probably. But, however, it's also lower despite, than despite despite what Guggenberg, <laughs> despite what Googie tried to do, X Men Gold Thirty is probably the best issue of this run. It's fun. It's fun. It's um, got really pretty art, man. Why? Man, we hey, must have. We, we, we got to revisit. When's that, our when's our when's our next uh, one seventy five? Let's <laughs> let's maybe let's maybe reassess a bit of this list. Visa okay. <laughs> negative zone war. Which I have less good to say about than this. Uh, is this better than 190, uh, which is the Uncanny X-Men Fear Itself arc with Juggernaut and Greg Land? I think it is. Um, I would probably put it um, above Cap Wolf and below Hearts of Darkness. You'd put it above Glob Loves Man Kills at 197? Yeah, absolutely. There's more going on here. You know, there's, you know, for all of the nods to past continuity, it is trying some stuff. You know, it's it's shaking the puzzle pieces in some in some ways that I think are interesting. And you said it yourself. I think the interactions and the dialogue are pretty fun, too. Um, I enjoyed reading this, even on a reread. I, I, I think that it's... Uh, like you're saying uh, this idea of sort of like comparing it to the, the Dawn of X and like the new standard, but you know, we still are looking at this uh, against all X-Men stories. You know, we, we can't just downplay it just because it doesn't like level up to Hoxpox because very little does very little does. Here's what I will propose because I think what you've said, which is that this is better than Cap Wolf 
is an absolutely ludicrous sentence. <laughs> okay. I think that's buck wild, Adam. Really? I don't... Yes. All right. Yes. So where is this going? Here's what I will concede, because I think when I say this, you in your mind are going to hear these words and agree with me. All right. I'm ready. This is not as good as 196, X-Men Ghost Rider Brood Trouble in the Big Easy, but it is better than Glob Loves Man Kills, and I'm saying that under protest. All right, I, I can deal with that. I think that that's a good compromise. So this is this is our new number 197. X-Men Disassembled, Uncanny X-Men Volume Whatever, 1 five. to 10. It's 5 now. Guys, too many <laughs> volumes of Uncanny X-Men. So too many, many volumes. You've done too many. Well, We just had the one for so long. We should go to a book that uh, is is volume one. We should we should go to uh, something Look at that. shiny, something shiny. <laughs> Adam, you're only showing that to me on the video. <laughs> I know uh, we're on, we're only on the podcast today. No 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 video broadcast. But I no do, video component. I do have my uh, gold hollow foil uh, copy of X Man. <laughs> Which, of course, collects X-Men number one through four from the Age of Apocalypse, written by uh, Jeff Loeb, who turns out sucks. Oh, man. Uh, Not great. Yeah, guys, we thought we thought he just sucked because he wrote Ultimatum. No, it turns out Jeff Loeb's racist. Yeah. Which, not great. Not great. Yeah. Don't do that, Jeff Loeb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve Skrokey does Steve the Scrooge. pencils. Uh. Yeah, there's a lot of ink inkers. Uh, Mike Thomas does the colors. Uh, so this isn't the Age of Apocalypse, right? It sure is. Uh, and this took X, over Cable. This is this is the version of Cable, and it's it's not Cable. Like this is the, I think the biggest divergence from an original character uh, coming over to this this universe. You know, because this is a completely different character. It really is not Cable in any recognizable fashion other than he has the light-up eye. He does have the light-up eye. He is very strong. He has a bad attitude, too, but a different bad attitude than Cable. Oh, yeah. He's got, like, teenage slang, uh, or at least whatever Jeff Loeb thinks teenage slang is. Um, aggression, you know? He's also part of a uh, a traveling um, Shakespearean <laughs> group that that acts you're talking about the outcasts oh my god this is so great i <laughs> his best friends are forge uh-huh who's who's a robot man yep yep sauron whose name is spelled different and dumb oh uh, my god it's not dumb it's glorious it's spelled it's... s-o-a-r-i-n sorin <laughs> so great i hate it so much i love it I hate it's so it. silly they, they because what this posits mm. what this implies jeffrey Loeb, is that carl lycos never read lord of the rings in the age of apocalypse which True. is that saying is that saying that apocalypse came to power before J.R.R. Tolkien could complete the Lord of the Rings there and back again? I guess there and back again's up. That there and back that's mm. the Hobbit. There and back again's the Hobbit, right? 
I don't think that's possible because of when that's supposed yeah, to... Yeah, there and back again is The Hobbit. Uh... Yeah, but, I mean, all of Lord of the Rings was written before Age of Apocalypse would have started, right? Given when well, he kills Xavier? Hold on. Which is in the 70s? No, because, no. Legion kills Xavier in, like, the 50s or 60s. So it's very possible. Okay, that's possible. Now, timelines are all dumb and stupid, and no one should try and do what we're about to do. <laughs> the Fellowship of the Ring was published in 1954. Are you looking this up? Yes. Okay. So it, the first... So it is feasible... It is feasible. ...that when Legion traveled back in time to a post-World War II Israel, that he... Not only killed. So wait here. Okay, so mm. I'm listening. This is this is crazy logic. Let's go. the The thing is, Apocalypse comes to power the same time as the X Men start in the six one six. He comes to power, uh, in 1963. Uh, okay. Okay. When. Because it happens at Cape Citadel. I'm it, buying this. I'm. So did Apocalypse like kill J.R.R. Tolkien or something? <laughs> well, like before it says, was that part of his plan, and then Sauron just happened to on, choose the name on the back of every one of these trades. America is dead. I mean, it's it's doom and gloom. So it's very possible um, he was I, British. <laughs> doesn't matter it doesn't matter just they were the resistance but, they had longer but carl <laughs> carl lycos may not have ever gotten a uh an imported text from uh you know from england to uh enjoy it doesn't matter this has had nothing to do with what we're talking about i feel about. like i feel like this is the content they crave i think so too i also I'm staring think... i'm staring at some art of carl lycos right here he seems like a guy that was gonna find his way to read lord of the rings no matter what <laughs> seems like a big old freaking nerd well he's he went there... through a stage just like the rest of us toads there right um is that Toad really loves doing Shakespeare, and yes. I'm happy for him. He's, he's the only person to be better off in the Age of Apocalypse. He's, he's doing great. He's doing great. Um, unfortunately, they pick up a hitchhiker who is very clearly Mr. Sinister. Uh, but they like, like the worst disguise ever. He's like basically he calls himself his... Essex, which is the name that people know him by in this universe where he's very famous for being a bad man. It makes no sense. Um, he and doesn't also... even he doesn't even hide his gem on his head. No, his stupid diamond. No, he's he's basically doing a very lazy Gideon cosplay because he's got this like you know top knot long ponytail. Um, and he reveals himself in like three seconds. Uh, they're also being hunted by uh, the equivalent of the six pack. So we've got Domino, Grizzly. Um, I forget who else is there. And um, it is mm, who is Mara? it? Oh shoot! No, it's a uh, Hold on, I'm flipping. Caliban. Yes, Caliban. Caliban. Thank you. The the yeah, it's Domino, Caliban, and Grizzly. Yep. Uh, and. Teresa Cassidy's there as well. Or Teresa. Oh, right. Don't they kiss? 
Yeah, they have a weird relationship that's not really uh, built How up in this. Oh. Hey, this is a weird book. Uh, if we're not describing it well, we assume you've read The Age of Apocalypse. I'm sorry if you haven't. Uh Go listen to all the Jay and Miles episodes then. Uh, they explained it. We'll just talk about how friggin' weird it is. Um, all right, so this, who is X-Man? That's a who great is, question. Who is this guy? He he has been created just in mad. a lab. He's escaped from that lab and been raised by Forge. Um, but he but not is... even for that long. Like No. Maybe two weeks, maybe a month. <laughs> he's he's kind of just hitchhiking with these guys, right? Like it's weird, um, and yet he is still Scott and Jean's child, thanks to Mister Sinister. He has he has the same DNA that Cable would have, right? Which is the the exact same G- DNA as a combination of Scott Summers and Jean Grey, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of. Madeline Pryor shenanigans. Now, that means that this character is similar, but is not Cable, and is basically in the AOA for a he's very cable. singular purpose, which is just which is a Cable thing. He's supposed to be the all-powerful thing that can defeat Apocalypse, which is what Cable was in 1995. That is true. That is that's, true. That's exactly what Cable was in 1995. So in 1995, while, you know, today we're all complaining about Kid Cable. Um, well, I'm not complaining anymore. I like Kid Cable in, in the hands of Jerry Duggan. Uh, still on the fence. Still, <laughs> still on, the on the fence there. Um, I don't we got, love him. I think he's fine. But yeah, we got go Ka- We got Kid Cable back then. This is Kid he, Cable. He is. And he's just got such a bad attitude. Oh, he does. I don't like him. He's got stupid hair. He's got the knee pads, and the knee pads are terrible. Knee pads are terrible. The jacket's all right. Actually, I'll I'll give it to him. I think Steve's art in this is pretty good. I actually I like I like Steve a lot as an artist. Can I surprise you? I liked this. <laughs> like this is some goofy ass AOA fun. I'm sorry, I just cursed. Uh, I like this. It's very silly and it's fun. Like it's when you go to the age of apocalypse, you're either going to get the super dramatic melodrama of uh, generation next, or you're going to get some like alternate universe, silly shenanigans like this. And I, I enjoyed reading it. I don't want to ever revisit this character ever again. I don't ever want to see X-Men number five. But for four issues, if you tell me that this is what Cable is in the AOA, I'm down, man. This is just silly, and it's okay. I've not done a Age of Apocalypse reread, like just the whole dang thing. Yeah. In like, since I originally read it. Like, so it's been a spell. Mm-hmm. I've read I've read bits and pieces uh, of the stuff I wanted to read, um, but I remember this being when I read them all at the same time among my least favorites. Oh, I'm not saying it's like it's like this Excalibur, and I didn't like the Weapon X one. Yeah, I'm not saying it's like good compared to the other AOA books. I'm just saying in general, I thought it was funny. Like it's it's kind of you, light, breezy. Funny? And just... You got you got funny out of this. <laughs> let me let me use a different adjective. Uh, I'm listening. St- it's stupid. Like it's it's like it's very dumb. 
and I feel like it doesn't care. You know what I mean? It's just like I, it knows what it is. Adam, I agree. It's very dumb. <laughs> it is. It's, it's dumb. stupid. Th- you and me. This is this is a wild thing in the English language where you and me are saying the exact same words and would not change a syllable about how we are describing this, except for I hate it and you don't, which is... Dude, I don't... I know this. I, don't I get knew it. it was going to be a surprise for you, but but I, I as especially as someone who you know like uh, is really trying to get a fresh look at the AOA. You know, I've I've now collected all of the gold hollow foils now, and I, I'm working my way through them. Uh, I I don't know. I I didn't hate this. Like I expected to be like, oh my god, this is like repulsive. I, it's it's not it's just a silly you know four issues of of a very dumb character doing dumb things and then it concludes with him sort of like it doesn't actually conclude because you have to read x-men uh, omega for that um, yeah but it the last the last like four pages of this book are weird because jeff Loeb remembers he has to tie into x-men omega right, right at the end he has to move nate gray from his traveling caravan to New York City real dang quick. Uh, he knows right where they are. That's what he says. And then he flies off. All right, let's rank this because this is uh, clearly you and I are kind of at odds this episode. That's interesting. We're going to continue to be at odds, too, which I think is fun. Uh, this is the is this the most adversarial we've been for a whole episode? Maybe, maybe. I know we have a difference of opinion about the third story as well. Um, I, I think we have less of a difference of opinion than you would think. Well, uh, we're going to find out in a second. I mean, with this, I'm not looking to rank this high. Like, <laughs> Good. Okay, because I wasn't going to let you. got one. You got one because I think you defended it well. This one you defended as, well, it's stupid. It is. It's, it's dumb. It um, is I'm looking down in the 300s here. Okay, great. Because at 118, we have Gambit in the externals, and this is way worse than that. Oh, no, it's not good. It's not that good. Generation Next is at number 10, uh, and it's worse than that by uh, a large factor. Not even in the same conversation. Not even in the same conversation. I see what you have highlighted. Oh, I I think we can go lower than that. Uh, How do you feel about it opposed to, like, Search for Cyclops at 329? I actually love this spot that you've picked for it. This is pretty. Hmm. This is hmm. this is the right part of the list because right above it is Uncanny X Force Volume Two, One Through Six, Let It Bleed, which I don't love, but I I think that story was better than this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I... also, this is not worse than let's say IVX. Uh, IVX makes me angry. No, IVX yeah. is at three thirty-five. I I like this better than three thirty, which is Exiles uh, one hundred. I don't actually care about the search for Cyclops. Let's put it above it. Perfect. It can be the new, the new twenty-nine. I was I was trying to weigh like. I think in my head, I heard the word Cyclops, and I was like, but Zach, I think you like that one. And then I remembered that, no, I don't really. No, you don't. I don't really like it at all. I don't need to defend this. Nope. Anyway, Nate Gray is not a great character, and we're going to continue to see this new facet of Nate Gray evolve because he 
he gets to go into our universe, the 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 Marvel universe. Well, we've covered the world that, outside right? your window. We didn't we go through five through whatever at one point. Like we, yeah, we saw the, the introduction. Man who fell to of, Earth. You know, yeah, the man who fell through Earth. So uh, we got well, to what, see what other important thing happens in that one. Maddie Pryor, or or some simulacrum of Maddie Pryor appears, which is going to tie into what we're about to talk about, which is which issues of x-man this is x-man 67 to 70 the infinitives of evil part of the shock the infinites of evil it's part of the it's part of the shockwave branding which is part of the counter x branding which is part of the revolutions branding um a lot of separate branding for simultaneous branding (laughs) We're going to start at the top and work our way down to what Shockwave means here. So, Revolutions was the banner that they gave all of the X-Men books uh, starting uh, at the turn of the century. Uh, Claremont came back with Adjectiveless X-Men 100. It was this big old thing. Um, and it didn't work. Nope. It was supposed to be a bunch of new stories. Like, Claremont came back. I think Liefeld did uh, something with Cable around the same time. No, thank you. Uh, it just it didn't work. I'm really. sorry. Keep I, going. Get through this. <laughs> no, you're right. It does suck. Uh, but, like, they, they keep trying things, and it doesn't work. And one of the things they tried was Counter-X. What Counter-X was was them taking three books uh, that were... Lower performing titles, titles that they didn't really feel like had a direction, and they gave them to Warren Ellis, known sex creep Warren Ellis. What they what they did is they had Ellis pitch, uh, you know, these new directions, and he would like do a story bible and like plot these and get his name on it. But and plots a very high level word here, uh, and he'd have other writers uh, actually write the book. So in this case, Warren Ellis uh, is credited as. Uh, What's what's the official thing based uh, on a from story a, by based on a story by Warren Ellis, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Grant, uh, who oddly enough has also written Moon Knight, which is very confusing. <laughs> there's a there's a Moon Knight. Cool person named Stephen Grant. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. He he's the he's a he's the Moon Knight. This would help if I knew more about Moon Knight. <laughs> you gotta. This is this is for others who are yelling like Adam go read the eighties Moon Knight. It's got Doug Monkey and Bill Sinkevich and it rules actually. It's all on that app. You'd love it because you get to see Bill Sinkevich go from uh, Neil Adams clone to Bill Sinkevich in real time. It's I like beautiful. the sound of that. You know yeah, what it, I don't it, like the sound of? I don't like the sound of the uh ghost of Madeline Pryor being some sort of like multiversal uh queen slash actually Jean Grey and looking for a Nate Grey because she's looking for multiversal versions of Nate Grey to be a bomb? Explosive? Okay, so we have, Adam, we haven't even got through the branding yet. Oh, you weren't done. No, there's still more. Keep going. But that's a good (laughs) teaser and I liked it. Counter X was that. Right. So Stephen Grant, and he's the credited writer on this. Ariel Olivetti uh, does art on this. And this is better than some of the other Ariel Olivetti stuff that you may be thinking of where it's hyper-rendered and looks like he's painting over 3D models. This is better than that. Um, 
Anyway, Shockwave was the second arc of all of the <laughs> Counter-X books, which were all part of Revolution, uh, part of the Marvel Comics branding. Uh, do I have to explain Marvel Comics? I don't think so. No, we, we got that. Uh, we got, got that, that one covered. down. Uh, Shockwave was taking those Counter-X books, which all started in Media Res with a new status quo, and bringing it back like six months to see how did we get to this new status quo. So all of the books did a flashback right after doing their first story. And that's what this is. This is Nate Gray uh, wearing Cyclops' old X-Factor costume that Cyclops gave him. Um, and not really knowing what's going on in his life. He's waking up in uh, Brazil or Ecuador. And he's like, man, I don't know what's happening. Uh, oh. This is all weird. He I carves... Hey, Madeline Pryor, what are you doing here? You weren't in my book recently. This is all weird. He carves oh, Batman out... into the city. Yeah, Madeline Pryor does think that when uh, he destroys Quito, uh, it looks like the shape of her face, and it very much doesn't. It, it looks like Batman. Or it Dan's looks like Batman. Batman. I don't understand why she, he thinks it looks like her. It does not. Uh, so, all right. I read this without context, so I'm reading... I would like to hear your points of view, because I think with, that's interesting. Uh, with Nate being taken to this multiverse, there is this very grumpy man with a with a scar. Mr. Uh, Scratch. Yes, Mr. Scratch, who's protecting Maddie. Um, and it turns out that he's there to be this like glorious weapon for this, this queen version of Maddie Pryor. Um, Who... As you have mentioned, reveals that not... she's not Maddie Pryor. So you remember when you remember how it was weird that X Man created a version of his mother. I do, and then made out with her. I do. This makes it simultaneously more and less weird. <laughs> It's so strange. Uh, because she is actually aging gray from Earth 9575. Mm-hmm. She has been trying to collect Nate Grays like they're Pokemon. And she said, Nate, how could you manifest a person out of thin air? That's wild. I just showed up and I've been manipulating you all these months. Right. It's a heck of a re- of a retcon, especially because what she wants to use Nate for is basically to, like, blow up all of Asia. Uh, she keeps referring yeah. to the Asian territories. And it actually gets to this point where Nate does sort of like a fakeroo and, like, creates a... Uh, basically, the, the heat of the sun right over these nations. And then it's like, oh, no, just kidding. I'm I'm just tickling them. You know, um, we also get uh, an encounter with a second Nate Gray. We have two Nate Grays here. Yeah, so this is the Nate Gray of Earth 2098. Uh, and this Nate Gray is the Shaman. The Shaman. What that means is ill-defined. <laughs> He's vaguely religious. And has the tattoo. That's it. Has the tattoo. He does have the very good Nate Gray tattoo. Yes. So just for an X-Man Luddite like myself, uh, is the shaman... You've come to the X-Man spurt. The the shaman Nate Gray is the Nate Gray that we see in Disassembled. 
because they both have the tattoo or does something happen to the Nate Gray, uh, the beginning of this story to become that other X-Man? I'm going to forgive you for not reading the story closely because it was very difficult to follow. Uh, What happens is they actually pull a big switcheroo because Madeline Pryor knows that there's now two Nate Grays here. So to get... <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's a oh, is plan. that what's happening get, with this mirror scene get when he's past, in the bathroom? Yes, to get past all of their all of her enforcement in the uh, castle to blow her up and like to cause her plan not to work. The Nate Grays genetically rewrite each other's bodies to be a copy of their themselves. So our Nate Gray, the Age of Apocalypse Nate Gray turns into shaman Nate Gray from this world and vice versa on all levels except for in their brain holes. Man, I'm looking at and, this right now and I am not getting that. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm glad it's that you the figured explicit that out. words in the book. Is you got to you got to look at the words. They're not just picture books. You you're saying that, but all right, I'm going to have to go back and look at that. Which I'm not going to I promise you, Adam, <laughs> the fact that I know you read this and you couldn't get that is an indictment on this story because it's not well written. No, it's This not. whole era of X-Men is interesting. It's not good. It's, it's uh, at least it's something. It's like, hey, we're going to try and make this book something instead of what it was, which was completely aimless. Uh, for 60-some issues. I'll give it that. I mean, it's trying something that's 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 new. I just, um, especially coming in this somewhat rudderless, like without having read what comes before or after this, and uh, it, it, it just smacked of like, I don't know, it, like it, it felt very pretentious to me, and you know. Oh, because it is? I, I really enjoy sort of like, weird multiversal stuff you know like i I don't have any issue with like some of the basic uh uh, toys that he's playing with here i i just you know it doesn't strike me as very uh approachable or interesting or and none of the characters are are likable uh i i do not like Uh, no it's a warren ellis comic none of the characters are like i i don't like i'm not rooting for anybody i'm not particularly worried about anybody i don't know really what the stakes are because i'm not clear what this world is so very very confusing um and and not enjoyable for me did not like it yeah no it's a bad comic is the thing Mm. adam and I think that's the part that you thought we were going to disagree with. I'm interested in this from an academic standpoint and from like a, hmm, I hmm, I wonder what they were doing with that. Being someone <laughs> who has suffered through reading all of X-Men. Yes. You I are, can appreciate. You are, because you this, know, ex- re- revisiting your, your trauma here. Adam, you have to understand that because of the trauma that Thomas inflicted on me. <laughs> Because of the world that he made, a world that should have never been. Yes. I had to get through 63 trash issues of X-Men. Onslaught was part of that, Adam. Onslaught was a big part of that. Operation Zero Tolerance was in there. It was bad. 
I had to get through a lot of horrible X-Men. And this was at least interesting. Because X-Men stopped doing anything different after, like, issue 12. (laughs) It just did the same thing until 63. So I got to this and I said, okay. Yeah. This is not traditionally good. Mm -hmm. But I've just... I've just read a lot of traditionally bad comics, so this is interesting. Well, here's what I'm going to say. Poorly executed. Tell me if this sounds absolutely insane, because I I, I liked X-Men 1 to 4 better than this. Like, I at least was like, oh, there's some fun elements here that I could grasp onto. Like, this late version of the character and, and, and all that's going on here, like, it just feels so... Um, I, I I don't know. It like doesn't have a pulse. You know what I mean? Like it, it wants to be this. No, very, you're right. This very big stakes thing, but it doesn't have a heart to it. Yeah, I I would agree. I think Age of Apocalypse works better. Yeah, uh, as a whole, even if I hate the character so much, but I hate the character in this one too. Um, <laughs> here's here's something I'm gonna throw out there. Yeah, please do. You. Oh, man, you might not have read this. Onslaught, X-Force, X-Man. This is is their crossover issue. Mm. Issues during Onslaught. And I think... That was... I wasn't there for that. So you're going to have to vouch for me. You weren't. I think these are better than this. I think... mm, I think the Onslaught issues are better than this one. I didn't think it was but as right bad below as that... X-Men Noir, which is right below it. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly where I was looking. I was like, eh, X-Men Noir is oh, X-Men Noir pretty bad. Hated that book. That puts it a that puts it above. In case you wanted to know what the X line was looking like, that does put it above X-Men Volume 2, number 100 to 102 Revelations. Uh, so this was actually the better better of the books. This wasn't the worst book coming out at the time. And honestly, honestly. X-Men or X-Men Revelations is not the worst thing that they were being published at the time either. It gets worse. X-Force, X-Force makes this look like a good comic. Oof. That's tough. Um, oh, it's got Wills Portacio just not living no, up to his name. No, that's some bad art. Uh, all right. At least Ariel Olivetti does a decent job here. It's not my favorite, I, but I, like... I didn't hate the art. I dislike Olivetti on a lot of stuff. I thought he's fine here. Didn't hate the art. Didn't hate the art. Just... You know. Anyway, so that's our new three fifty nine. Did I see that right? Did I? Yeah. Who cares? They're playing at home with yes, their. It is. They, they've got their own. Uh, it, you know, their own magnetic board at home, and they're they're filling it in as they. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Hey, we did it. We did, did we a whole X Men episode. That was cool. Did we suffer through this enough? I. I think so. We're good. We're good. We we're we're moving on to greener pastures here. I feel like this is. Uh... I hope Patreon supporter Joshua Whale uh, <laughs> thought that his money was well spent here because I do. Um, in that it hurt me a oh. lot uh, to to talk about Nate Gray for so long. <laughs> it's a joke that I like him, guys. I hope you all know. I actually I like Age of X Men as a story. I still hate Nate Gray. He still sucks. For the record, it's not our uh, our Patreon's uh, supporters' fault. I was the one that was like, "Hey, I just bought X Men Gold Hollow Foil. I want to do. I want to read it." You know, so that's 
<laughs> it's not this guy's fault. It's not Josh's fault. No, um, but he did he did make us read Disassembled again, which yeah. is a different kind of thing. But it's okay. That one had nice art. It was that was that was that was a nice way to reflect on where we're at today, a yes. year and some change later. Yes. Like two years later. Um but none of that matters anymore. Uh, because uh, the episode's done. If you want to be like Josh and put us through some weird uh, comic book-related trauma, you can go to our Patreon, throw money our way, or don't. Uh, there's a lot of things. You get early episodes. Uh, just whenever I'm done editing them, I upload them there. So you can check that out. There's an RSS feed and everything. It's neat. Uh, you can also vote on other stories to fill in uh, for these episodes so that we get to talk about other dumb stuff. Um, there's other rewards. We'll figure it out. Hey, Adam, what's going on? What do you got going on today? Any, uh, anything you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, let's see. By the time this comes out, I'll have turned 40 over the weekend. So, uh, I'm so old guys. I'm very old. He's so old. <laughs> um, and if anybody would like to, follow Adam, Adam, the... Adam, can I tell you something that's going to really upset you? Can oh I, can God. I, you really can I upset you so much? Go ahead. You're closer to my dad's age than you are my age. I'm so ancient. <laughs> so ancient. To be fair, to be fair, to be fair, my parents had me at 21, but that's not the point. It's okay. They I'm... were quite they were quite young, but it's <laughs> it's beautiful that that math worked out. I'm grappling. Oh. Uh, I've still got all my hair, so uh, I'm a, I'm a happy guy. Um, you got that hairline. That hairline's holding strong, bud. That ain't going anywhere. That's that's strong German. Oh, no, that's there. that's solid. Gonna go Look, gray. It's, it's gonna get it grayer. Away. You're gonna have to deal with that. But that's okay. Uh, no grays yet. Um, anyway, if you would like to follow the further adventures, you're doing of, better than me. Shoot. Of this aging old man uh, at Arthur Stacy, where can people find you, Zach? <laughs> Uh, you can just go to the main account for Xavier Files. That's where we got all the latest and greatest of X-Men news, updates, uh, discussions about different books that are coming out. Mm -hmm. Uh, this last week, there was some great stuff about, uh, X-Factor, a book where I do ask to see Dekanaka Hero's penis. (laughs) It's a great book. Listen, canonically. That's what happened. That is. It's a great. It's that, a great. That's issue. a thing that's happened in a Marvel comic book. <laughs> uh, that's a thing that happened that that Twitter account specifically asked to see a character I hate stingling. That's okay. That's that's just where we're where Leah has led us. Uh, where where are we leading our audience next week? Where are we going? We're going to the wild world of animation, and we're going to talk about TV shows and adaptations of those TV shows, and we're going to see if those adaptations were good or bad. We're going to find uh, out. Spoiler alert! <laughs> hey, they aren't great, guys. This one's going to be. This one's going to be. That one's. This one was already a weird one, Adam. I think the next one's also going to be a weird I one. I think you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be wild. We spent over an hour talking about Nate Gray, guys. We're leaving you because until then, this has been Bow the Adam. Hope you survived the experience. I sure didn't. Get it!